HVAC 360, episode number 61, VAV Terminal Boxes. Hey, welcome back everybody to another episode of HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson. This week, we're going to be talking about terminal boxes. Uh, Specifically, I'm going to go a little bit more into detail about VAV terminal boxes. But we're going to cover cover the gambit of uh, different types of terminal boxes that there are out there. Uh, Talk about their anatomy a little little bit. And talk about some uh, tips and hints and tricks about, you know, what we're, uh, what you're, what you're looking at and what you need to do um, when, you know, designing, selecting these boxes, et cetera, et cetera. So, all right, but before I dive into all my uh, information, I'd like to point out and thank our sponsor, the Building Commissioning Association. Uh, you know, I mean, the Building Commissioning Association, if you are a Building Commissioning Authority, uh, that is the place to be. Uh, to become a member, to get involved in uh, uh, going to some of the uh, conferences. In fact, they have a conference coming up uh, that if you want uh, more opportunities to network and get more information about the building commissioning, uh, that's a great place to do it. This year it's being held in Denver. Uh, It's on May 6th through the 8th in Denver, Colorado. And it's it's the 21st year that it's been going on. So uh, if not, uh, if, if, uh, for whatever reason you're listening to this after the fact, it's, uh, you know, why don't you catch the one, uh, the year after that and plan for it a little bit ahead of time. Um, again, uh, you know, a lot of things are happening in the spring. Um, the webinar series is going on. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, just about the time it comes out, we have one that is on April 17th. So that's just a couple of days away. Uh, on variable refrigerant flow. So you don't have much time to sign up for that, uh, but you can. Uh, there is still time. The next one that's coming up is May 15th. Uh, that's titled, Is Control Loop Tuning and Night Setback Really That Hard? Um, you know, that sounds like a good one, uh, and that's something that I might, uh, in fact, myself tune into. So, but for more information about the Building Commissioning Association, uh, we certainly appreciate their sponsorship. And for more information about them, go to bcxa.org. That's bcxa.org. Thank you for your sponsorship. All right. So, as far as these terminal boxes go, um, you know, basically, you know, it evolves from the standpoint that variable flow uh, has kind of, uh, you know, become, you know, the, the industry norm. It didn't used to be that way because we didn't have, you know, controls that we could, uh, that could handle this, this variability. It used to just be constant volume. So there's a number of boxes that they use to kind of, uh, you know, use through uh that constant volume system to kind of you know make it a little bit variable but it wasn't truly variable because the fan in the air handling unit still was running at the same speed um some of those boxes were just you know shut off boxes they'd use shut off boxes so they wouldn't overheat or overcool a room um, those were used, um, basically, uh, they'd have a, like a reverse acting thermostat that made sure that, you know, a room didn't get too hot, too cold. It really couldn't dial up exactly what it wanted, but it could really prevent it from, you know, going too far one way or the other. 
Then you had bypasses and dump boxes. These, these, you know, I've I've seen them in a few cases where they've been used more at a terminal. Uh, more often than not, in some of these situations where you have. Uh, uh, a, a constant volume uh, air handling unit, uh, you'd have it more as a, a, a system bypass. That's where I've seen them more often used. But, you know, these bypass boxes, are so they're called sometimes dump boxes. They're kind of like three-way valves for air systems. So, you know, instead of supplying, you know, transmitting the air to, uh, you know, down the ductwork, it just kind of diverts it, you know, out a side port and just kind of dumps it in the plenum space to go back to the air handling unit. So... Uh, a lot more times that I've, I've seen those on VAV units, but uh, you know, it, nowadays with VFD drives become, becoming more of the standard on these rooftop units or small air handling units, um, these things are becoming more of a thing of the past. Now, if you talked about the deluxe Cadillac system when you're talking about the, uh, uh, you know, when you're talking about the. Uh, um, constant volume system. It was the dual duct. When you know money was no object, they would put in a heating duct run, and then right next door they'd have a cooling duct run. And it was a constant volume at the dual duct box, and it would just m- constantly blend this you know combination of hot and cold air, and it would it would transmit that to the space at a, at a constant volume. And I mean that was you got exactly the temperature that you wanted. It really didn't matter. But the obviously the the problem is you're kind of simultaneously heating and cooling that air. So that was that was kind of an issue. And again, you didn't have you know you had just had the same airflow regardless of of what temperature you wanted uh and you you didn't have any savings on the fan horsepower side whatever so to speak of so you know the the one thing that i'll kind of point out on the uh the dual duct box that was kind of uh you know a little bit interesting as far as you know been my experience i've actually you know started uh, i've used them a couple of times in a replacement situation but um the one thing i find interesting is that you know you think that a terminal box would have one controller and it would be able to control whatever you want but in fact for the dual duct box it was like they took you know two single duct boxes and they slapped them together so they had a controller on each side which you know i mean frankly didn't you know it not only it made a a huge kind of maintenance kind of area where you'd have to have you know a couple feet on either side of a box to be able to to be able to service it with the uh, the control panel but it made things a, a little bit more tricky because you know you you would have uh, you would have one thermostat to a particular you'd have it to one side or the other depending on what your kind of your dominant side was and i thought it was it was kind of strange because in the loss of a uh, a building automation system uh com failure when the the you know the network went down sometimes uh you would have uh, basically whatever side that the thermostat was connected to that control that you know that had control um, the other side was just you know wherever you left it, and it was it was kind of dead in the water, and that's why you put it on, you know you you connected it to the side that was kind of your dominant, uh, you know uh, dominant side as far as need goes. So if you're predominantly a heating uh, uh, region, you'd have it on the heating side, and if you were predominantly on a, in a cooling zone um, or, or region, you'd put it on the cooling side. So I, I thought that was kind of weird that they, you know, you just couldn't make a controller that, that took care of it all. You know, you just one controller. No, you had to have two two controllers. So I don't think much has changed since then, but 
um, you know, there again, I haven't, I haven't necessarily specified a dual duct box in, in, in a number of years. So check with your local manufacturers and your uh, reps uh, to get the lowdown on that. So those are pretty much the, the common uh, constant volume systems. Now, when you get into uh, the, the, the variable volume boxes, uh, VAV boxes, you have your basically your single duct cooling only box, which is you know nothing more than a, you know uh, you know a valve and and a, and a uh, you know uh, in a in a box. That's pretty about a, as much as uh, you know as simple as you can get. Um, you also have you know you can you can kind of you know kick it up a notch if you want supplemental heating and cooling, and you can get it with a, a hot water coil and or uh, electric uh, reheat coil so those are some of the options that you can get with a single duct um, vav box now you you can get into more of a uh, fan powered box and the fan powered box and sometimes you know i've seen it in literature sometimes referred you know you'd have a a serial fan powered box and you'd have a parallel fan powered box and I, i think you know just to keep it in mind that the serial fan-powered box, that has constant flow. Now, it's not like a dual-duct box where you have constant flow from an air handler, but you have this, this kind of this makeup air. It'll, it'll basically uh, induce air from the plenum, and it'll bring that into the box, and it'll, it'll uh, send it out to the space at a constant flow. So sometimes it's referred to a constant flow box. Um, you have a parallel uh, parallel series fan powered box, and that pulls air. You know, the fan actually pulls air directly from the from the plenum, and so uh, you can kind of take that. You know, that constant plenum air, and sometimes that fan's on, sometimes it's off, sometimes the primary air valve is opened all the way. But it basically has two inlets, but one of those inlets has the fan on it um, to kind of reiterate that once again the series box with constant flow is constant flow because it has a fan on the discharge so that fan is blowing and it's and you know it's actually a larger fan than you find in a parallel box because those fans are just sized for the heating load the 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 series box that's sized for the whole kit and caboodle that's your primary air and 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 what have you so that's those uh, fans are a little bit bigger on those uh, series powered boxes the one thing about the series powered boxes um you know not only does it have the fan on the discharge side um but it will have uh a um It will have a uh, the, the fan will always be on. So when the when the unit's on, the fan's on, which I'll I'll kind of you know why that's important. I'll kind of make mention of that in a little bit. But the um, uh, as far as you know, adding on a supplemental heat like electric reheat and all that hot water heating coil, that's all, all going to be downstream. Uh, of the of the box, so it's going to be on the discharge of the box. So you have the fan blowing in, you know, straight into the the, the electric coil uh, or the hot water coil. Now, as far as the parallel box, this you know the the, the fan and the parallel box again is on that inlet that that plenum inlet. So it'll cycle on and off based on whether or not you need you know any supplemental heating. It'll be like the first stage of supplemental heat. 
that can be objectionable. When you're sitting in, uh, say, a classroom situation and you have these uh, boxes cycling on and off, it can get a little bit annoying. So a lot of, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with an air, uh, uh, area that's a lot more sensitive, you may want to think about a series-powered box. Um, even though the fan's bigger and you, it, arguably it might be louder, um, you're going to have a constant noise level, which, you know, A, is easier to you know, tune, and B, is easier to tune out as a person. You really notice when a, a fan shuts on and off. That's, that's really quite distracting, especially if you're in, a, like, a teaching situation in a school. Now, the, both these, uh, these boxes, are, or let's just finish it off, the parallel box as far as where you can put the heating coil, that's a little bit different. The, uh, the electric coil is still going to be on the discharge side, but the heating coil, you can actually put it on the inlet, the, the plenum inlet. Uh, they'll allow you to do that in, in, for some manufacturers. That's an approved method. Regardless of uh, either one of these, the series or the parallel, since you're pulling plenum air, you're going to need to filter it. Um, so that is a maintenance headache that you're able to do. Now, why would you use a fan-powered box even to begin with? Well, typically you're going to use a fan-powered box. You're going to use them around the perimeter of a building um, because you need supplemental heating and cooling. You want to be able to do that when the building's not occupied and you don't want to necessarily turn on your uh, primary air handling unit. So you don't want to have to you know, you know, light up the whole system just to satisfy a couple of spaces that might have gotten cold or might, might have gotten too warm um, well, actually, too cold because it won't help you during the cooling cooling season. Um, so, but uh, yeah, so heating, supplemental heating around the perimeter, or if you have a, a roof condition, that's where you're going to use it there. Um, typically, you know, if you're going to use a single uh, VAV box, you're going to have it, you know, cooling only. That's that's going to be, you know, someplace that that always needs cooling, doesn't really ever need heating. And you don't have to worry about a minimum there. You have a you have a shutoff box, whichever uh, you know is specified. Um, you know when you're dealing with areas, and that's that's one of the the things that you know I, even I wrestle with. You know as far as uh, you know these these single zone boxes. Um, you know obviously Ashray sixty two. You know they say hey you know you have to have a if it, if it's an occupied room you're going to have to have a minimum ventilation rate. Um, I've had cases where the room isn't highly, you know, isn't as highly occupied as you would imagined, uh, and you do get some subcooling, which which obviously causes problems. Thermal comfort, you know, really kind of trumps the, the the need for you know outside air because if you can't be in a space to to actually use it, then it's kind of it's it's pointless to have good indoor air quality, you know. Um, the only other the, the only other box. Actually, I did. I did find a, a, a new box that typically I've, I've thought of these as uh, more of hospital units, but they're induction units, and really, it's 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 they kind of put it after the the fan powered boxes because it uh, you know they use the Venturi effect and it actually induces the air, the plenum air, into uh, and you know into the uh, uh, device to to mix it uh, to mix it there. 
So those are kind of some of the boxes and, and some that are more typically used. Again, you know, the, the, you know, the straight single duck boxes and the, uh, the fan part boxes. Those are probably more popular boxes that you're, you're going to end up running into and, uh, and their uses. So what exactly, you know, what's their anatomy? What are they, what are they actually constructed of? Well, you know, essentially the body of the box is going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be a sheet metal casing that's kind of square, uh, sometimes it might be a little bit more rectangular, but typically you're going to have a open end on one side uh, with a uh, you know that's 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 open to the downstream ductwork, and then on the inlet side you're going to have some sort of uh, reduced uh, diameter um, uh, round inlet connection. Now that that's kind of a couple of there's a couple of reasons for that um, on the inlet. The whole purpose of having this reduced uh, inlet connection is to increase the velocity. Uh, most cases, you want to be able to reduce the velocity, but the what's inside those uh, inlets uh, are going to be uh, the airflow measuring station. That's going to be where you're going to measure how much CFM is actually going through the box. So you want to be able to increase that speed because at low uh, flow, you're going to lose all your accuracy if, it, if it's the same size as the box. So you want to be able to increase the speed. Now, having said that, a lot of times you want to make sure that you're not, you don't have that same diameter duct on the inlet for too long because that's going to be an extreme pressure drop for you. You want to be able to transition down to that inlet and you want to be able to get it through that flow measuring device uh, and, and, and through the valve. Um, and on the inlet side of that, you know, that those inlet conditions, those are, are very crucial. You want to be able to have straight duct coming in to the, into the uh, airflow me- measuring station. And that is going to be, is, is going to be criti- critical. Uh, and it's, you know, so many times I've seen it done improperly where it's, you know, it's practically kinked and you get, you, you know, the, the accuracy of the reading and the validity of the reading is nowhere near what it needs to be. You know, there's no way to get an accurate CFM uh, from that uh, from that inlet connection if you have some sort of kinked uh, you know, or hard 90 degree turn into that inlet. You know, some uh, some engineers are even you know even specify you know hey I'm going to have a you know hard piece hard piece of um, you know duct pipe connecting it in you know to that to make sure that the contractor doesn't you know try to do one of these z bends with a, a piece of flex um but you know a lot of times the contractors balk at that and don't necessarily put it in um you know unless push comes to shove and and you have them over a barrel and, and you're really trying to get them to change it out but most contractors don't want to do that um, another thing on the inlet is that that uh, you, you got to watch for, and I, I guess this is kind of more of my my lessons learned, is that the flow station, this monitoring station, sometimes in different manufacturers have different patterns. Some people have the star pattern, some people have the cross pattern. You know, they basically do the same thing. A couple of things about that: they have uh, two ports, uh, you know, high side, low side, on the uh, on the collar itself, on the outside collar. Sometimes when you're putting that uh, flexible connection on, uh, some people will have you know these uh, zip ties that they're gonna they're gonna you know uh, tighten the 
and fix the uh, uh, you know connect the two pieces together the the box and the flexible uh, piece of duct. Sometimes you get those uh, plastic pieces kinked in there, so you got to make sure that they're unkinked and they're going to the control box, so you get some accurate readings uh, from that. Uh, another thing that that I know that happens is a lot of times, uh, you know, when you get a shipment of boxes out into the out into the site, that that uh, uh, that flow measuring station actually provides a pretty good handle. It's not sharp; it's usually plastic. And the contractors, you know, if they're yeah, if, if they're being lazy, uh, and the boxes aren't all wrapped up, they'll grab those and they'll they'll swing them around by the uh, um, uh, by those uh, measuring stations, and uh, that can damage them sometimes. So if you're not getting a, a reading, that might ne- you know that might be why you might want to look at that. Um, other things, other than that, the inlet, the body of it, you know, really you have a uh, a valve. You know, in most cases, uh, you know, some cases, I guess you do have a uh, a straight, you know, round uh, terminal unit, but that's not not too common. Typically, they're going to be square, so you're going to have a square damper in there, opening and closing based on you know what the controls are telling it to do. Um, sometimes you're going to have a uh, you know a discharge on it uh, with a heating coil. The heating coils, again, the um, the the electric coils, they'll have a kind of a larger disconnect panel that kind of goes on the side of it. And the important thing about that is you're going to need the uh, the clearance as far as the electrical codes um, say to 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 have it on on the uh, on the box. Um, hot water coils, they're going to actually have a hand, whether it's a, a right hand or a left hand connections. Um, so those are going to be some of the things that you can, uh, you know, vary around there. Uh, as far as the, uh, the last piece really is going to be the, uh, controls. Uh, so the controls are going to be mounted on the side. And again, you need, need the clearance similar to the electrical panel. You need the clearance, uh, to that, uh, to that panel uh, to be able to get in there and and monitor that and again you know with the uh, the fan powered box you have the uh, the um, the inlet the fan and the uh, uh, filter so those are some of the maintenance maintenance items typically you know when I, I see them laid out I really I prefer them uh, to be you know show you know you want to show the uh, whatever the connection is, if it's uh, the controls, you want to show the controls panel, uh, and you want to be able to show a dotted line saying, "Here's the service clearance." Um, at least show that you're gonna you're thinking about it. It may not necessarily translate real well into the uh, into the design when it's actually constructed, but at least you know you made that attempt and you've you've planned it out uh, appropriately. So at least the contractor knows, okay, there's supposed to be some maintenance there. Um, you know, when you when you deal with uh, ceilings, again, you you know, and I, I've I've talked about this on maintenance access. Realize how far above the ceiling that you're putting these things. Uh, they should be, you know, you should be able to reach them over a ladder, uh, you know, or or with a ladder without deconstructing the ceiling. And if you locate a uh, VAV box above a hard ceiling, you know, shame on you. You should you should cross check your uh, your VAV boxes with your uh, uh, reflected ceiling uh, reflected ceiling plan they were supplied by the architects a couple other things that are are interesting um, the electric heater now I've had some issues with electric heaters in the past 
uh, you know, obviously great devices, uh, you know, they work well. And they obviously, if you don't have the, the heating hot water, it's really the only way that you have to go. But you have to be especially careful about flows when you're dealing with the uh, electric heat. They're, the minimum flow is, is going to be critical. Uh, there's no way you can cheat on it, and it's just going to be a tripping hazard if you, if you actually end up do, you know, uh, cheating on it a little bit. Um, so that's something that you will have to, you know, continually wrestle with if, if, if you don't get it right. And again, you know, just, you know, be cognizant, talk to your manufacturer's rep, make sure that you have all the, the minimum flows down for the boxes. Again, when sizing these things, you know, you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be on the razor's edge of, of, of size. Um, you know, if it's a smaller box, I would always, always upsize it one. Um, you know, if you have like a, a, a four inch inlet or a five inch inlet, you know, and you're dealing with a single room, eh, maybe upsize it one, you know, because if, if, you know, if you're right on the edge of being able to, you know, supply enough air, especially when you're dealing with maybe like an exterior wall, uh, I would definitely do that. If you have an office on an exterior wall, you know, definitely upsize it one, uh, just so you have that, that room to work with. Um, should the load calc be a little bit off or should you get a little bit more sun and you can always throw some more air in there. Um, as far as, um, you know, other things go, uh, remember that, uh, you know, sizing the, the minimums, the box minimums, you know, it's easy to say, you know, when you go through your load calculations, the, it'll spit out a number and saying, okay, here's what you need for heating CFM. But when you actually go to the box manufacturer, they say, well, you know what, uh, you have to go to, instead of if you wanted 100, you have to go for this box size, the minimum flow is 150. You know, there again, you know, you're dealing with that, you know, what's the lowest value that that, that uh, airflow measuring station can handle. So you have to be, you know, cognizant of that. So you, there's, if, if there's something that you want because the load calc says, well, you have to make sure that the actual equipment matches up with that. So be cognizant of that. If you want any more information, that's pretty much all I have. So if you want any more information, you can actually go to the uh, uh, Price HVAC website. Price, Price Industries actually has a, a, you know, a couple of good manuals. If you make friends with the, your local price rep, they have a, a, a good manual that you can uh, um, use, a nice thick book. But they have it online, uh, which is free, and that's a good price. You don't have to hassle anybody. But they have a, a, a good uh, – if you want to learn a little bit more about the uh, – you know, uh, VAV boxes and the terminal units, uh, some of the things I've been talking about, you can go to the website. I'll put the link in the show notes so you don't have to worry, necessarily worry about that. So, all right, uh, that's it for today. Thank you for taking your time and listening. Again, I appreciate each and every one of you. You are the top 3%, the uh, ever-increasing listeners uh, with the, your your pension for uh, self-discipline and for future further education. Um, thanks for educating yourself today and, and, and choosing HVAC 360 to be your provider of choice. Uh, also, I want to make sure that uh, I thank the uh, Building Commissioning Association for sponsoring the web, sponsoring this podcast. Uh, I would I would strongly, uh, you know, if you're not going to do anything for the podcast, thank them. Thank them for sponsoring it. You know, obviously this comes out of my pocket and I do it because I enjoy sharing my, my knowledge with you 
And uh, but it's nice to be able to share their uh, my appreciation with them through you. So if you could, you know, drop them a drop them a line. I'll put a uh, I'll put something on the website so you can, um, you know, show your appreciation. It's relatively easy to do. Uh, but I would just ask you to do that. If you like this episode, uh, you want to share it with a friend, go ahead. Be my guest, uh, please. Uh, more people that we get listening to this podcast, the uh, the more information that I can get out there. And I want to be able to, uh, you know, uh, kick it up a notch in a couple of different avenues. So uh, look in the future for those. Uh, if you have a show suggestion, I'm available and accessible. Matt at buildingx.co. I will get it and I will respond to you. I always love talking to the listeners. If you want to uh, follow my tweets, uh, buildingx is my Twitter handle. And LinkedIn, Matt Nelson PE, if you want to uh, do a, uh, not necessarily a friend request, but if you, know, if you want to uh, uh, link up on LinkedIn. So with that, I'd like to thank you and uh, get you back to your regular scheduled day. But remember, as always, know what you build and share what you know. 